Welcome to the Precision Health Pod, where we talk to the people building and experiencing the future of health. Uh, today, we want to welcome Josh from Future. Uh, Future is a company that makes personal training much more accessible, uh, where anyone can train with some of the world's greatest personal trainers, really from anywhere, at home, at the gym, um, or on the go. And collectively, they've raised over $110 million to date um, with some of the top investors and funds um, and angel investors like Kate Hudson, Rory McIlroy, and JJ Watt. Uh, welcome, Josh. We're happy to have you. Thanks, Rachel. I'm super excited to um, have this chat with you today. And it's been uh, it's been really fun and, and kind of inspiring getting to know you over the last year as well and everything that you're building with routine and everything that you're doing to kind of bring our human performance space together. So I'm excited. Well, yeah, thank you so much. I think we're both we're both looking to help people help make people healthier um, through technology and, and using a lot of different different ways to get there. Uh, future on the fitness side, routine on the nutrition side, and, and really kind of tying that together for, for the whole market. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you. How did you get to where you are today um, and what really in, in inspired it? Sure. Um, so I kind of have a, a long-winded and a little bit of a roundabout story to how I landed you know, where, where I am today. So um, I'll try to kind of give the cliff notes version a little bit, but then I'm happy to dive deeper into any of it. But, you know, basically for me growing up, I was that annoying little kid, probably like many of us where I was very into sports. And so you couldn't tell me any different if people asked me what I was going to do, you know, when, when I grow up, um, I was going to play for the Bulls. And, you know, I grew up an hour and a half north of Chicago. Um, my childhood was right in the heart of the dynasty years, you know, the, the Jordan years. And um, so that was my whole life. My whole life revolved around if I wasn't watching basketball, I was playing basketball, I, you know, and everything for me was about how could I um, get better as a basketball player to kind of make this dream come true. Now, unbeknownst to me, but everybody else around me, I wasn't very good at basketball. So um, I was more stubborn than I was talented. Um, but I think the good thing was along the way, I fell in love with the process of how do you become a better athlete? How do you get in better shape, get stronger, be healthier, recover, stuff like that? Um, now I'm in middle school, high school, so I had no clue what I was doing. Looking back, you know, I was doing, I was spending a ton of time doing all the wrong things, but you know, my, my sort of heart was in, in the, in the right place. Um, but, you know, I think it was probably around late high school where I realized I was like, you know, I should come up with a backup plan, like just in case I don't play for the Bulls. Because in my mind, I still was going to, even though I, I, I was starting to figure out I wasn't that good. Um, and so this is late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and that's around the time when I realized like, wow, I could be, you know, a, a strength and conditioning coach, sport performance coach. Um, and that's another way in. And so what I did from there was I, you know, I basically looked at who are the people in positions that I would aspire to get to one day. And, you know, in particular, how do I end up with the Bulls and, you know, kind of looked at um, their paths and the commonalities, the outliers and studied it and, you know, tried to follow that because, um, and I always say success leaves clues. And, you know, so I think I was fortunate because already by my senior year of high school and throughout college, 
I was starting to take those steps, like reaching out to people um, who were in positions, you know, that I wanted to get to and learning from them and just doing any type of opportunity I could. And fast forward, that led to actually my very first opportunity out of college. Um, I started with the Bulls. I, I started out as an intern, literally like, I think it was the week after I graduated, I started my internship. Um, and what is kind of like my big full circle moment um, that I love to tell is when I was in third grade, my third grade teacher did this like time capsule assignment with us. So it was like, write a letter to your future self. You know, I think it was like 15 years in the future or something like that. Um, what will you be doing? And I have no idea how she did it, but I got that letter in the mail when I was in like my, it was my first month. It was probably my first or second week starting with the bulls. Um, and I was commuting from, from home in Wisconsin every day. So I came home, got this letter, opened it up. I had no idea what it was. And it was that letter from my third grade self. And it was just one line. I will be the starting point guard for the Chicago bulls. And so that was like my, my moment, you know, it was like, I'm not, I'm not playing point, but like, I'm there, you know, I, I, I found another way in. Um, and I think that realization too was, was big for me in that moment, because up until that point, I sort of always set in my head, like, by the time I'm 35, I'll be able to, you know, be either a head MBA or high major college basketball strength coach. And really like, work for the Bulls. That was my ultimate. And so now here I am, I'm 22. And I don't care that I'm unpaid as an intern. That was my dream job. You know, like I had made it. And so what was great about that was it forced me already at 22 to rethink sort of the vision and realize, you know, hang on now, if, if that's all I set for myself at like 35, I've set the bar, you know, quite low. And so, you know, it led me down this path where I was able to, by just kind of how I showed up each day in my internship, I was able to leverage that into a full-time role a year later. So then they brought me on as a assistant strength coach. I spent three more years, so four years in total with the Bulls. Um, and that's really where I got my start at the end of my fourth year. Um, and we'd had a lot of success. That was the year Derrick Rose won MVP. We had the best record in the NBA. Um, really good team. Um, I got recommended to take over the men's basketball program at Purdue University. So um, I ended up leaving there. It was an opportunity to the Bulls to Purdue to um, build my own program and really like shape something. And so, you know, ended up spending seven years there at Purdue. And um, it was really a fortunate opportunity because where my mind was going at the time was well, why couldn't I be a, you know, a high performance director in the NBA or college and, and kind of own every aspect, not just strength and conditioning, but, you know, everything as it relates to nutrition and, and mental performance and skill development and sports science and all these pieces that, that tie in where, um, you know, you're not the one in charge of it, but you kind of oversee, you hire those people, you help uh, facilitate how they communicate with one another and um, and empower them. And so at Purdue, in a lot of ways, I was able to kind of scratch that itch, um, you know, where we, we were doing a lot of things 
before uh, any other basketball teams, even in the NBA with some of the, you know, technology that we're bringing in and, and stuff like that. And um, so that led me to kind of my next, you know, jump or realization of, well, I want to find something that gives me a platform to really like help many more people. I realized through, you know, altogether, I guess, 11 years between the Bulls and Purdue, every assistant I ever had at Purdue, every intern um, that was ever with us at the Bulls or Purdue went on to become a head strength coach. And so I realized I was like, I want a platform to be able to do that at a bigger level. Um, And so I thought, you know, again, kind of zooming out, 15 years from now, why couldn't I be the general manager of an NBA team and like build the whole thing, not just performance, but everything. Um, And so I went back to, you know, my high school days of like, okay, who are the people in positions that I want to get to that I that I look up to? And I looked at, you know, Bob Myers with the the Warriors and and Theo Epstein um, with the Cubs and the Red Sox. And the thing that stood out to me was they both had their JD. And because I knew like, I'm not going to go from being a performance director to a GM. There's not like a straight line path there. But I was like, well, if I get my JD and what Theo had done, he, when he got his start, he was like bottom of the totem pole operations assistant with the Padres, but he was going to law school at night. So he ended up, you know, four years later, got his JD year after that. He's the GM of the Red Sox. And you know, rest of rest is history. And so that was my path. That was the platform I thought to, uh, you know, empower more people. And then out of nowhere, as I'm like starting to get my law school acceptance letters back and I had it lined up wherever I went to law school, I was going to be able to work in the front office for that team in that city, um, just off my, you know, past relationships. And then I get this email out of nowhere. And I thought it was like, like I'm being catfished or something because it was, it was our founding COO at the time. And he was like, Hey, like we have this all-star team of founders. You know, our, our founding COO was the first ever employee at DoorDash ran ops, you know, from when they were eight people in a garage to like 30,000 employees. When you include all the dashers, our CEO Rishi was a astrophysicist by trade worked for NASA, like did just crazy impressive stuff, had already built a company that had been acquired. And then our CTO, Justin, was part of the uh, the first ever iPhone team, built the first iPhone. Um, and he invented FaceTime and iMessage himself. And it was, you know, his teams that iterated on that. So it was like, here's our team. Here's our idea. We want to basically build preventative healthcare. And our solution is to do what, you know, professional athletes have, which is pair pair you with a coach who's in your life with you every single day. And we think you should come help us do this. So naturally, like my first instinct was like, there is no way this is real. Also, it's 2018. I'm living in West Lafayette, Indiana. So I didn't know if DoorDash was a real company. Turns out, fast forward, it's, it's a very real company. But, you know, all that stuff meant nothing to me. But I think I was fortunate because my um, decision-making circle was a lot of close friends I've made in my time in Chicago who all have gone on to be very successful in the tech and and startup world. Um, So I had a unique set of counsel to help me understand 
that this was in fact a very real opportunity. And they all told me, they were like, you, like, you have to do this. And so I, you know, um, kind of followed up to that email, spent a couple months getting to know those guys and, and what my role would be um, with it all. And pretty quickly realized everything I thought I was going to get from um, going to law school. It was like this opportunity was going to be that on steroids and everyone kind of, you know, the, the thing that was consistent that everyone said was um, in one year, expect that this will fail. There's no, maybe there's no probably like 100% it will fail. Um, either you don't, cause we had just raised seed. So either you, you know, burn through your runway and you don't raise your next round or they said, you just hate it. You absolutely hate it. One of those two things, if not both, is a certainty. And with that in mind, you absolutely have to do this because in that one year, you'll grow five years professionally. And so um, kind of, you know, took 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 the leap um, because it was also the, the other part of it. It was like, well, what if it doesn't fail, you know? And uh, so that was four and a half years ago now. And fast forward, you know, here, here we are. So, yeah. That's such an impressive career and, and, and so interesting on so many levels. And it's, uh, you really think about, and when you talk to, to high performing people, which, which you are, you coach high performance, but you also are a high performing person. The fact that you kind of set that goal in third grade and you're like, this is what I'm going to do. Um, maybe it's not exactly what it, that is, but there's so many people um, I have similar things. I said, I told my parents I was going to be an investment banker when I was 12 and going to it. Harvard Business School when I was 15. I had no idea what either of those meant, but lo and behold, I did both. Um, and it's it's kind of fun to to see where the where people are now, what they said they were going to do. Obviously, things change, but um, yeah. it's having those goals and, and working towards them and figuring out how to get to them. That's also what makes uh, early stage startup employees uh, so impressive and and probably why you've been as successful as you have at future, but also um, enjoyed it and kind of accelerated yeah. and excelled yeah. in that role. Uh, so you went from coaching pro athletes, mm-hmm. college athletes, and now you're working with everyday high performers, the best across startups, venture, finance, Hollywood. Uh, how does that differ? Like, what's the difference in, in training those people or does it? Um, I think at the core of it, it, it really doesn't differ. Um, you know, and I, I think honestly, like this speaks to the core of what your business is as well with, with routine is like, um, you know, there's a, I think you're starting from the same initial foundation, which is understanding who this person is in front of you and meeting them where they're at. And so like what you all do with routine is you do all these intakes and these different markers and, you know, blood testing and and DNA and lifestyle and all of that. And the reason you do that is to understand who this person is what their needs are, what their deficiencies are, what, you know, maybe they have way too much of, and we need to, you know, bring that down. And it doesn't matter if that person is, you know, LeBron James or Tom Brady or somebody crazy like that, or it's someone who like their nutrition has been out of whack for the last 20 years and they're trying to get started. And, but I think we, we get caught up in like the outward, um, 
maybe appearance or uh, accolades, accomplishments of whoever is in front of us. And we think, oh, well, you know, so, so same thing for coaching and training. Well, if I'm working with, you know, LeBron James, Derek Rose, whoever, um, I have to approach them very differently than if, if I work with someone who um, they're just trying to start working out for the first time or they haven't worked out in 10 years and now they're trying to get back to it. But when you break it down, you're starting from the same place, which is, you know, ultimately, um, I mean, one, just like being curious, like having, asking a lot of questions, having an active interest about who this person is, where they are, where they've been, where they want to go. And, and, and at its core, that's what coaching is. The, 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 the sort of origin of that word coach um, dates back to like, you know, stagecoach. A, a stagecoach is, is a means of uh, transportation. And so what a coach is and where that word originated is a coach is someone who transports you from where you are to where you want to go. And so at the core, that's where you start with, with everyone. And all of those different things of, you know, uh, LeBron James plays basketball and he's at a high level and he's been playing for 18 years and his strength is this, his fitness is this versus someone else who, you know, they're trying to lose 50 pounds and they haven't worked out in 10 years. That's all part of the intake. And then that tells me, or that helps inform me to go, okay, where do I need to start with this person to meet them where they are? But at the core of it within coaching, it's all relationships. So even before we get into, you know, and, and it's sort of happening in parallel a lot, but like, if you think about it, like a, a pyramid of, you know, as I progress you and advance you in theory, like you're moving up the pyramid because you're becoming fitter and then you're becoming stronger and then you're becoming faster, you know, and, and, and so on is everyone's kind of starting at a, maybe a different place along that pyramid or rungs of a ladder, but the base of it, what, what shapes that pyramid is the relationship that I, as a coach have with this person um, in front of me. And that's critical because there has to be trust. I can have all the knowledge, all the expertise, in the world, I can have the perfect plan and perfect path laid out for you. But if we don't have a relationship, if you don't trust me, if you don't, you know, um, kind of get the, 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 the vibe from me that I genuinely care about you. And in fact, I care about you and your success, even ahead of me and like how your success or failure might make me look. Um, without that, it doesn't matter you know, what, what I know. And so, you know, I think sometimes we can get in our own way, like talking about, you know, if I'm a, a high level coach or sports scientist or, you know, expert in whatever my domain is, we can, we can get so locked into like the science of everything and the physiology and the textbook and this and that, that we lose sight of this is a real person in front of me. And there's so many more variables to it. Um, where, you know, some days you, you kind of throw the science out the window, um, to just like support someone or, you know, I've, I'll, I'll do workouts at times, even with some of our elite athletes, where if you walked in and saw what we were doing, you'd be like, Josh is an idiot that knows nothing about training. But what you don't realize 
is we just came off of losing four games in five nights. This guy's, you know, girlfriend just broke up with him and he's just super down right now. He's all the, and so like all I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get him from the time he walked in to see me in the weight room where he's walking in slow, he's kind of irritable, his head's down, whatever, to the time he leaves that he's laughing, he's jovial, he has energy, um, and he's walking tall and he, you know, kind of has a swagger to him. And so there's things there where you're even doing where it's like within it all, um, you know, you're, you're, you're playing with music, you're getting them to laugh. And that all comes at the core of having that relationship to understand um, beyond just where are we starting, but throughout the ebbs and flows of it, what does this person need in this moment? Definitely. It's really a personalized approach, regardless of if mm-hmm. you're an elite athlete or, as you said, someone starting working out again for, for the next 10 years. And those ebbs and flows are just human, right? So exactly. even a professional athlete is going to have bad days. A normal person is going to have bad days and making sure that you're kind of there supporting them, but also creating a plan and then continuing to optimize that plan over time mm-hmm. because the intake is just one piece of it. It's all right. What's happening in a week? What's happening in two weeks? Okay. Things maybe aren't going according to plan. So how do we need to adjust based on kind of all of the metrics that we have in front of us? And yeah. that's one of the things that's really exciting about overall the future of health is you can use technology to make that a lot more accessible for people because this like really personalized approach to coaching um, or personalized approach to nutrition or other health is, is very expensive if you have individuals running all of it. Um, But when you add technology, it makes it, it makes it more accessible, which is what you guys are doing at at future as well. Um, And, and what are, what are some of the lessons along the way you go from zero to 110 million raised in four and a half years? obviously you did some learning. So, so what, what were the learnings? What were the mistakes? Any surprises along the way with the journey? <laughs> Man, that's uh, as, as you know, as you're going through it yourself, that's a, it, it's a, a really loaded question. Um, you know, I think that, I, I think the big overarching thing is, is just keep showing up honestly. And, and that's something that you'll, you'll hear me talk about all the time. It's, it's probably one of my like life, mantras is showing up as a skill. Um, and I really believe that the, the ability to no matter what's going on around you, no matter how frustrated you are, no matter, you know, how much you're failing or just, you know, um, struggling or, or whatever it is, the ability to set all that aside and still just show up the next day, like, and many days in, in the, in the startup world and especially in the early startup journey, you know, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well is you have those moments of doubt. Um, and those moments turn into like months of doubt, you know? Um, and you know, you have those moments of like, what the heck am I doing? And, and, you know, this is, this is really hard. And, and like, you know, especially for me, I'd sort of built, you know, kind of climb the mountaintop in one profession. And so you sort of have that safety net. And in the back of your mind, you're kind of like, well, I could just go back. And like, I know I'm really good at that thing. And I could, you know, get a job that I can kind of just be on autopilot. I don't have to think, you know, um, and it would be comfortable. And so it's like, 
setting all those things aside. And, you know, cause like the other thing is life will give you every excuse every single day to not show up. And so that's, you know, I think that's the first step of like, and, and as I've been in it with, you know, professional athletes who've, you know, been all-stars, been, you know, Derek was the MVP my, my last year I've trained um, Olympians, a gold medalist. Um, and now these honors, I think that's the thing that stands apart. Like sure. Some of them have unique talents and abilities or are just like, you know, someone like Rishi, our CEO is maybe the smartest human being I've ever met. Like the, the dude's literally a rocket scientist, but by and large, the through line is just like at points where like 99% of people would have, and, and kind of rightfully so said, man, like, this is just, I can't do it anymore. It's not worth it. I'm, you know, I'm done. They kept showing up. And, and there's a quote that I heard recently from, I, was, I uh, did a podcast with, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his, his last name, Hugh. Um, but he's, uh, he started a really cool um, organization called Global Citizen. In fact, recently they raised, I think it was, eight billion for the fight in Ukraine. Um, like he's done just insane stuff. And he said something that stuck with me, which is when things seem the hardest, uh, push forward one day more, you know? And, and I think that's been, it's kind of how I've always been, but you know, I think that piece had to come through so much more to like, make it in this startup journey because you're starting out. And for us, you know, it was, it was eight of us in a basement and, and I moved, you know, my family, my, you know, it's my wife and, and we have a dog that's basically our daughter at, at this point, but, you know, we moved from the Midwest to San Francisco. We don't know anyone. Our families are on the other side of the country. And, um, and it was really hard. And everyone, again, going back, everyone saying before I, uh, took the opportunity that this will fail in one year. They also said, you'll be the most miserable you've been probably ever in your entire life. Like this will be the hardest thing that you ever do in your life. With that said, you absolutely have to do it, you know? And so um, I think like, yes, that helped like kind of knowing that going into it, but as you've experienced, no doubt, when you're actually in it, like that's a very different thing. Even if you know to expect that, like you're still going through it every day where like, you know, I'm coming home most days of the week and like my wife is crying because she's miserable. She hates it in San Francisco. She hasn't adjusted. I'm crying because like I suck at everything. I'm failing at it. Because I, I think that's the other thing for like high performers. And I know this about you as well from our conversations is like, it turns out, you're actually doing like a whole bunch of stuff really, really well, and probably at a higher level than most people, you know, could, but you're sort of, you're a high performer for a reason. So you're like, yeah, like I should do all of that. Like, like anybody could do that. And so you focus in on, but like this, 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 and this are all falling apart and it's all my fault, you know? And, and so I think that's a big thing is just like, and a big lesson for me has been, like, I have no idea how I'm going to fix this thing, put out this fire, solve this thing. That's like literally about to, if I, if I don't solve this from my side, cause it's, you're, you're in that moment, like our company is going to fail. Like I had a moment 
I think it was maybe my third week where like, if I didn't solve this thing within the next like four or five days, we don't make it to our series A, you know? And there's a number of moments like that where you're like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this, but like, if I don't, we die. So I just have to figure it out. And you do that by, you know, showing up. That's it's so true. There's, there's so much you can rationally understand what you're getting into, but when you're physically in it and just mentally experiencing it and your body's experiencing it, it's just a very different, um, it's a very different thing. It also means that the highs are very different than rationally what you could possibly imagine as well. (laughs) Um, but as I always say, like the biggest advice I have for founders is before you start, look at yourself. Can you live in uncertainty and can you figure out a way to mentally like level out the highs and the Mm -hmm. lows? Because if you can't, you will drive yourself crazy (laughs) because yeah, there's always something at least, at least once a day, if not once a week that the company is going to die. If we don't do X, Y, Z, sometimes (laughs) that's real. A lot of times it's not, but it's still really hard, both mentally and physically. Um, And with that, obviously being a founder, being an early stage part of a a company, it takes a toll on you. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you stay healthy physically, mentally? You're a coach, but how do you as a coach stay on top of your game? Yeah, Um, you know, and and that was quite a journey as well, I think, which is sort of related to the, the, the piece of um, showing up. I think the, the piece that I was not ready for, I didn't, I didn't realize, and this was naive of me is everywhere I'd been previously, you know, whether it was, was the bulls and starting as an intern and leveraging that into becoming, you know, an assistant and then putting myself in position to go to Purdue and, you know, especially going to Purdue, that was really hard, um, at first because, it was my first program that I was in charge of. It was, you know, they had nothing before I got there. So it was, it was a lot of work. Um, guys didn't, you know, our players at Purdue, they didn't have a culture where like they trained or they believed in training. They would all go home in the summer, which is like unheard of in college basketball. Um, but, you know, so there are a lot of things like that. But with each of those experiences, it was really, really hard at first. And then over time, you sort of figure it out and it gets easier. And so I think I went into it with future where, and especially everyone saying, this will be the hardest year of your life, yada, yada. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Like I've, I've been through this before. I know that like, literally I know nothing in this world, um, but it's gonna be really hard at first. And then I'll like figure it out and then it'll get easy. And I just like, I kept waiting for this moment where it, it did get easy and that never happened. Like I kept, like, I would have flashes of it. Like I would have flashes where I'm like, man, like I would, you know, I would get something done where I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm like figuring this thing out. I'm really like, I'm, I'm pretty dang good at this. And literally 10 minutes later, I just get knocked on my ass. And, you know, a lot of it was, I think Rishi in particular um, did a phenomenal job of always leveling me up. Like he literally never let me get comfortable. So once he saw that I had like developed a new skill or ability, you know, he kind of bring me in and was like, okay, 
time to level up. And you're sort of like, no, 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 like I'm, I'm, I'm good right here. Like I'm starting to figure this out. And um, so I think that that really took a, a big toll on me because especially in the early days, the first, you know, call it three months or so, um, you know, you're, you're fighting for survival. So the, so the thing that people had said to me, and I know you have the same, you don't find, you do not found a company without this mindset is everyone is saying, Hey, this thing's going to fail in one year. Well, that's not an option. I just gave up my whole life to do this thing. It is not going to fail. And so within that, I was working from the time I woke up, which most days was like five or 6 a.m. Like literally from that moment, I would grab my phone. I had clients, um, you know, myself. So I have clients in New York who've just finished a workout because uh, it's, you know, it, it's 9 a.m. their time and I'm messaging them right away. I'm doing emails and I was doing that. I wouldn't leave the office until, you know, it'd be close to midnight most every day. I had my my walk home mapped out where like I knew what like bar restaurants serve food until like one or one thirty, And I would stop at one along the way, order food, pull my computer back out and I'm doing emails. And so it took me probably a year to learn and understand that this will never get easier. It will only ever get harder because the more success you have, the bigger your opportunity becomes and you know you earn the right to level up and so what i had to learn was i just got a lot better at dealing with it at managing it all and it, it's you know it's kind of and uh one of my buddies sahil talks about like the eisenhower decision matrix and that was a big one that i had to learn was like not everything is urgent you know and 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 so starting to realize Cause you're getting email, like I'm getting emails at, you know, 3 AM from my co-founders about stuff that's on fire, stuff that I've screwed up, you know, whatever it is. And I would let that ruin like my weekend or my nights or, and oftentimes you, you find that um, it's already happened. There's nothing you can do about it now. Just make sure it doesn't happen again, or it can wait till Monday um, or like, that fire gets actually put out and resolved before you ever even come into the equation. So I think one thing for me was like shutting off. I learned to, when I left the, well, one thing was I learned to say, I've done all I can do today. And that was a big one for me because, and, and um, one of my colleagues had said this to me one day, he was, he'd see me in the office always super late. He'd always leave you know before me and he came and sat by me one day and he was like, you know, Josh, the work's going to be here still tomorrow. And no matter how much you get done today, there's always going to be more. And that stuck with me. So I learned to like, I've done all I can do today and I'll, you know, I'll get to the rest tomorrow. But then when I left, I did not look at Slack, did not look at email until the next morning, whenever I left my apartment. And you find that even if there is a fire, if there's a true fire, somebody's going to call me, but the rest of it, it turns out it's not that you know big of a deal and so um i think that was the biggest piece for me was starting to be able to step back there now what what um kind of happened along the way and i think you know and and i'll pause after this but i think we can go into it more if it's interesting is in that first year in particular and really almost on out to my second year um 
I was so focused on just, we have to survive that the thing that was always my rock, my whole career and, and my whole life really was like working out. Like I, my whole life, I've, I always had that under control. Now I was like, I don't have time. I can't do it. It's not important. And, and like, I rationalize, I'm like, I don't even care anyways. I'm getting older. It's just frustrating when I go lift. Cause I'm weaker than I was when I was, you know, 22, I'm not as fast. I can't jump as high, you know? And so I'd make all these excuses for why it was okay that I just didn't work out. Um, but then I started to have an awareness that, you know, not only obviously was that just bad for my personal health um, and, and you sort of renorm to it, unfortunately, but I started to realize like, I'm not sharp when I show up, like when I present and I'm like trying to like, you know, be articulate and intelligent or like solve problems. Like I'm getting stuck. I'm like, you know, I think people call it brain fog. I don't know that that was what I was going through, but I'm like, man, I'm like, I'm not as sharp as I normally am. And so, you know, that's been a big thing now for me since that realization, I just realized I was like, for me, I can't just like say, okay, I'm going to get back to like lifting and whatever four days a week. So I just, I made a decision. This was, I think it was like February 1st, 2020. And I was like, screw it. I'm just going to work out every single day because that way I can never say I'll do it tomorrow. Um, and so I started that actually, I think technically it's February 2nd. Um, and I haven't missed a day since, but what I think has come from that is it's more of a virtuous cycle of like, you're more intentional about, you know, making sure that you have good hygiene around your sleep, you know, and good sleep habits, you know, and you're eating better and, you know, hopefully, uh, cutting down on alcohol and, and things like that. So. Yeah, I'm a I'm a strong believer in that kind of the the generation of startups that you saw from like the 2000s to kind of generation before us, right? Have this kind of idealized you never sleep, you always eat like crap, you work 24/7. It doesn't work. You can't as you talk about, you can't show up every day whether it's at work, at home, if you're a parent with your family, with your friends unless you're taking care of yourself in at least some capacity. And that means, like you said, paying attention to your sleep, making sure you're eating well, making sure you're getting the right supplements if you need them, mm -hmm. making sure you're working out or exercising or moving or just doing something um, on that side. And, and also thinking about your mental health. So what are the boundaries that you're putting up? Um, obviously, startup life is is very different. Like there's always fires to be to be put out. But do you have the ability to say, hey, I'm actually just not looking at my phone for the next like yeah. 24 hours or I'm taking a vacation. I'm taking a day off. Figure it out. <laughs> um, yeah, and and yep. kind of once people figure that out and it's exciting to see this next generation of founders really paying attention to that and building companies around it, right? Like they're yep. not only doing it themselves, but they're building ways for other people to do it too. Um, it's just really, it's an exciting change in the way, in the way that the world's kind of working at least in the in the consumer health or in the health space um yeah. but yeah i'd love to hear a little bit more about about this like i've worked out every day for i think it's a thousand plus days or almost a thousand no, I'm, days I'm, I'm yeah i'm getting there uh today will be uh right after this actually will be um day 928 today so how have you how have you done that and and has it changed 
obviously you, you made a decision. You said, Hey, I need to work out every day because I can't just do it occasionally and I need mm -hmm. to do it to show up. But have you learned anything else kind of about yourself or your ability to handle challenges or diversity and, and going on this goal that most people either would never attempt or could never do? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think, I think a lot of it, honestly, for me has been, you know, it, it's a mindset thing where, um, you know, I think there's an element of like, one, no matter what your excuse is, like, just get it done, like find a way, like, and there's always a way and there's always a solution and there's always something, you know, that, that you can do. So it's, it's that it's too, like, no matter how hard it gets, you know, you're, you're, you're still doing it. It's, you know, the, I think it's freeing a little bit is like, I don't have a, like, there's not a decision to make of like, ah, I should work out, but uh, I don't know. I don't like, I don't have a decision because I have to do it today because I'm also doing it um, tomorrow. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't start this going like, man, I'm going to work out for a year straight. I'm going to work out for a thousand. I'm going to work. Like I started by literally just going like, I'm going to work out today and then I'm just going to work out the day after that and the day, but, but I started with today. Another thing, you know, that, um, for, for most people, I think we get in our own ways because we start to make it like this, this bigger thing than it is. We start to make it this like all or nothing proposition. And, you know, especially someone like myself coming from a background of like, being a high level coach and all, all these sorts of things, you know, it's like, I had periods of my life where I would train an hour to two hours every single day. And so, you know, I think a lot of times people get caught up in this idea of like, there has to be like, it must be an hour. And like, I don't have time for an hour. Um, but you don't need to, like, it can be, for me, I kind of set the, the sort of barrier around like 15 minutes you know, and so it's like every single day I'm getting at least 15 minutes. Um, but if I, if I start and I feel pretty good that day, and maybe I have more time that day or whatever it is, um, then I will go longer. Like I'll, I'll have days where I'm like, man, I feel really good. So I'll do a two a day. Like I'll do, you know, some type of lift in the morning and then let me go for a run in, in, in the afternoon. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think that's been a big piece, the, the mindset piece. And then, cause one of the questions I always get, and even like, honestly, like, uh, almost like criticism is people don't believe that that's healthy. Like that's not healthy to you. You'll overtrain, you'll burn out. Like, I think we've, we've like overhyped, um, like physical burn, like the, the, even with athletes, the athletes who, who, um, go through like overtrain, true overtraining are like extreme endurance athletes. You know, it's like, it's, it, it's marathoners, it's ultra marathoners. It's, it's, uh, you know, Ironman type athletes. Like there, there's like an extremeness that needs to occur for like true, um, overtraining. Most of us don't like train at near the level for that to occur but the other thing is yes like you'll burn out and you'll overtrain if you just do the same exact thing every single day and a lot of it is it's not even the the physiological stress 
it's, you know, and this is literally a, a, a term related to overtraining is monotony. It's monotony. And, and part of that monotony is it's just the same thing over and over and over. And so that's why you see with, um, say, like in basketball, you know, high school basketball players that like play AU and all this. Um, if that's all they do year round, then like, yeah, they, they start to break down. But if you start to understand, um, one, to, to kind of listen to your body and, and uh, auto-regulate, like adapt based on where you are that day and, and how you feel, and then manipulate the load. You don't, you don't necessarily need to like remove load or intensity or frequency, um, but you can manipulate it. So again, some days if I feel great, like I'll push it. It'll be higher intensity stuff, maybe even longer duration. Um, other days it'll be, you know, more, more of a flush. And, and, you know, I think even just that mindset, it carries into, you know, some of the challenges you face in your, in your day to day of like, you realize there, you know, there's, there's always a way, there's always a, a solution and, and kind of part of that whole streak, which is actually for me an even longer streak is every Wednesday and every Sunday now for, over five years, I've run 10 Hills, no matter, no matter where. And I've, I've been like international, I've been in Alaska. I've been like on the road, like on a cross country road trip. Um, when Wednesday or Sunday occurs, I've literally never missed not once in over five years. And again, it's, it's the mindset. It's like, there's a combination. Some days there's weather. So it's like pouring rain. Cool. I'll adjust for the elements. I'll throw on a rain jacket, you know, pull my hood tight. And I'm just going to deal with it. I'm going to be the only one out there and I'm going to get it done. Or, you know, it's really cold out. Cool. I'll layer up and I'll, I'll go get it. Or sometimes I'm somewhere where it's like, there's not even a hill. Like even if I wanted to find one, cool. There's, there's a set of stairs. I will run it a hundred times because that actually works out to be about like the same uh, sort of stress as what my normal 10 Hills are, or I'll get a treadmill and set the, you know what I mean? And it's like, even just that, that mindset, I think has, has carried me forward um, quite a lot, but it's, you know, I think, I think the big piece of it too is like, and I listen to a lot of David Goggins, especially when I, when I run my Hills, which by the way, if you want like rocket fuel during, like, if you're doing a work, a hard workout or whatever, just put that on and listen. And I mean, it's, I love it. Um, but he talks about like the, the 40% rule. And he was like, you know, most of us live our lives never realizing what we're truly capable of. Cause we get to this point where it feels hard or we, we, we tell ourselves, you know, oh, this is crazy. This is, and we, and we never go beyond that. And, you know, I think part of the problem is oftentimes we, we kind of let each other do that. We, we sort of like, you know, and, and he talks about this too. Oh, it's okay, man. It's, you know, um, it's pouring rain out there. Why don't we just let's, let's go grab a beer and watch some football, you know, and most of us like, cause that's what we want to hear. Um, but being able to have that discipline and then it becomes a habit, but to have that discipline to be like, yeah, like I'll, I'll go do that after, but like, I have to get this done first and I'm going to get this done. And I think there's something about it of like, I mean, so many, like when I go run this hill, even today, I will be the only one that's there. I'm the only one that's there. And there's a hill in my hometown that I run all the time. I had a, a, a lady that lives on the hill 
stopped me. This was like a month ago. And she was like, I've lived here for 27 years. I have never seen anyone other than you run this hill. You know what I mean? And there's just like something about it for your mindset to know, like, I might not be more talented than people at things or smarter or whatever, but like, I'm doing something no one else is willing to do. And um, there's a, there's a Will Smith quote that sticks with me. Um, I, I first read it in the book Grit. And he said, he's basically like, you know, you might be smarter than me. You might be prettier, prettier than me, faster than me, strong, like whatever. You might have it on me in nine categories out of 10. But I know one thing for certain. If you and me get on the treadmill together, one of two things is going to happen either you're getting off first or I'm going to die. It's really that simple. And like, that's, that's like my approach. Like you might beat me, but like, I'm just going to keep coming until like you relent. So, um, yeah, I think that's been the biggest thing for me is just that mindset piece. That's so interesting. And, and so true. Like you can figure that out in one part of your life. It's just like, it's a mental kind of training your mentality, right? Like it's training mm -hmm. yourself to think about, all right, here's a, here's a brick wall. Like, how do I get through it? Um, yeah. And then you start to think about all these various solutions. How do you figure it out? What's the first thing you test? What's the first thing you try? And you just get better at it, uh, yeah. which is so important across the board. Uh, so I know we don't have a ton of time left, but just switching gears a little bit, another part of your life, venture partner, angel investor, mm -hmm. what are you most excited about uh, when it comes to the future of health? Yeah, um, I think it's, a, it's really an extension of, everything that I've been learning and doing and building with future um, to now being a, a venture partner with TXV, which is growing the human performance space. I, you know, I think from when I first started at future and the biggest reason probably I made the jump is just the solution made sense to me. It was like, we have this massive problem where it's, you know, I think it's something like 80% of us will one day die um, of some type of chronic condition, obesity, diabetes, heart disease, hypertension, you know, the, these sorts of things. And what you realize is those are nearly entirely preventable. There's something that we can do about it, but, but the problem is everything is set up to be reactionary. It's, it's not until the point at which I become obese or I have diabetes or, you know, whatever condition where now we do something about it. And, you know, really it's in a lot of ways, it's, it, it's too late at that point. And so, you know, even with future, it was like the solution made sense to me is like, how can we build something? How can we build, you know, sort of this ecosystem and ultimately a constellation of experts um, around you to take a personalized approach with you of this, like N equals one approach, which as we talked about earlier, N equals one doesn't necessarily need to be this like highly, highly, highly scientific, complicated thing. A lot of it is just like, who are you? Like what's going on in your life? And like, how do we, you know, when you think about working out or better nutrition, how do we, how do we meet you where you are right now? Um, so like nutrition, um, Derek Rose, who, you know, I coached from his rookie year to his MVP year. When he came in as a rookie, the only thing he ate literally was candy. It was like Skittles. He loved those like sour gummy worms. It was, you know, um, M&Ms, like candy bar. Like, 
I mean, he didn't even eat McDonald's. And so it was like, even with someone like him, who's like the youngest ever MVP in the NBA, the biggest thing that we did with him early on was like, okay, he only eats candy right now. Maybe we can get him to eat like McDonald's and Burger King because is that good? No, but like it at least resembles kind of sort of real food, you know? And then once we get there, maybe we can, and, and actually how he transitioned was, you know, he'd start to tell me what, what he ate every day. And so he'd be like, Josh, for, for lunch yesterday, I had, had a salad, there was grilled chicken on it. There was, you know, whatever, whatever from Burger King. And I was like, okay, like we're, you know, we're getting there, but it was, it was a process where then by his MVP year and he's someone of means, but this is what we're trying to build collectively, you, me, and many others in the human performance space is he had the means then to recognize that, hang on, like me uh, optimizing my nutrition is what allows me to like be Derek Rose, like to be a hundred, but like he's someone that's so gifted, especially in the NBA that like he had been able to operate at 60 to 70% of who Derek Rose is and Derek Rose's capabilities. And he's just so far above and beyond everyone else that that's his 60, 70% is still just better. But he realized like, hang on now, like what if I can just, I can do this consistently throughout the game, every game, all season long. Um, And so he hired his own chef and he made, you know, and so that is what I'm excited about in the human performance space is finding, you know, people like you and, and routine. And, you know, you think about um, companies like Aura Ring or, you know, Levels or, um, you know, there's companies building in, in the mindfulness meditation space, but thinking about, you know, um, companies that are, are building in the space of, how we move, how we eat, how we sleep, how we manage our, our stress, um, because those are the four critical factors that ultimately dictate the length of our lives and, and the quality of our lives and, and bringing a personalized approach to that, bringing an approach that fits you know, to your life. And so with TXV now, what I have the opportunity is at future you know, I'm able to, to collaborate with a, a lot of different founders. Now at TXV, I can actually go and help us identify who are the great founders, who are the great companies that are going to bring this sort of N equals one approach that are going to start to allow people to have the access to live longer lives, healthier lives, um, better quality lives. And now we can invest into those companies. But more than that, because we're building a, a portfolio in the human performance space, we can invest in companies that like, when we bring them together into sort of our ecosphere, these companies can all help one another. Like we're all on the same mission. And you know, I think that's the biggest thing. And one of the things I love about you and everything you're doing, and especially Apex Optimizers is there's a realization that I think people have to have is like in the human performance space in particular and health, you know, in healthcare, um, nobody's going to solve this problem alone. And I think traditionally in, in like startups and all that, it's, it's always been like a zero sum game. Like if you're even remotely in my space, I want to do whatever I can to like death to my competitor. Um, but the reality is for us to help one day, hundreds of millions of people and like aspirationally, I mean, there's billions of people on this planet. So like, why not have that aspiration 
that we can help billions of people. No one company is going to do that. And so that, you know, it's a long winded way of saying like, that's what I'm excited about is like, we started this conversation talking about like, I was in search for a bigger platform to help pour into people and create opportunities. It's like between future and now TXV, it allows me to sit in such a unique position where I can go and, and sort of find those people and help those people. And one of the things that's been really cool is like, you know, cause there's a lot of, um, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into it on the venture side. So there's, I mean, we've had companies who like we love where just either timing's not right or whatever, and we're not able to invest maybe today. And in some cases, maybe ever, but we're still going out and, and let's help those people. Because if it, as each of us wins, you know, we all win. Definitely. I love it. It's more than just, it's more than one solution. It's more than one company, but it's really around a, a common goal of, of helping people mm-hmm. feel better longer, longer health span, less chronic disease, less costly healthcare system, uh, and just really impact people, uh, which yeah. as founders in the space, just all kind of combines together. Um, well, thank you so much for, for being on and, and for joining us. Um, but I would love to hear just how do, how do people find you? How do people find future? Yeah. Um, so for future, our website is future.co. Um, and you know, if you, if you want to try it out, um, you can go to future.co slash Josh, and that will give you a free first month to just, you know, try it out and see if we can be helpful. Um, you know, we have hundreds of coaches now and um, they primarily come from 70% of our coaches come from having worked with pro Olympic and, and college uh, athletes. And again, the reason for that is they have a, a very deep understanding of how to manage your health and performance from a holistic perspective where, you know, for us, we're focused on obviously fitness, um, but they're able to help you think about how to build better habits around how you eat, how you sleep, how you manage your stress, obviously without, you know, overstepping our scope. Um, So definitely check us out there. And then for me, you know, I've been trying to be pretty active, especially on Twitter. So you can follow me at Jay Bonitall. Um, and I, I try to share a lot of different, uh, you know, threads and things like that around human performance and then even just coaching and leadership and, you know, sort of the, the startup entrepreneur journey. I love it. Uh, well, thank you again. And uh, looking forward to continuing to, to have this conversation. Likewise. No, it was a pleasure to be on. Thank you. Awesome.